Uh, I'm actually live on Comedy Schools Radio Network.com, and I'm uh, getting ready to be uh, live on uh, all the other uh, platforms that I, uh, excuse the, uh, the weird cognitive thing, all the other platforms that we uh, generally uh, broadcast on. If you'll just give me a brief moment there, listeners. Um, I'm now live on YouTube. Hello, YouTuberinos. And now we're going live on Facebook. And I'm just trying to get this so that it looks sharp. And I think that is as close as I get to sharp. It's still not. All right. There we go. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, moms and dads, children of all ages, welcome to Living on a Thin Line with a Tony Visick. I am Tony Visick. We come to you every day, uh, six days a week. I shouldn't say every day, that'd be a lie. Uh, six days a week at 2 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, which currently is Pacific Time, about to change at the end of this month. So uh, those of you in California going, hey, it's same time as us, it'll be different. We'll be hour ahead. 20 years behind, one hour ahead. So... Um, that's not true. Hello, Tina and Mike Lawson. Uh, the, um, the entire um, Living on a Thin Line family is beginning to join up. Uh, this show goes out on three platforms. It goes out on Comedy Schools, Radio Network.com, YouTube, Comedy Schools, and Facebook Live. The show is built around three, three components. One being your questions and comments that you leave on the aforementioned social media platforms, and I try to respond to. And then um, we also... Um, we also uh, uh, usually have some sort of trinket or doodad or memento or autograph sitting here around the office that we share with you and try to weave a story around. And we recommend one artist or one piece of music, sometimes two, based on our vast vinyl album and CD collection. Um, I'm just looking over here for something for a second. I, want, I thought I had something. Um, I don't. Okay. Uh, anyway, man, it's good to be with all of you. It is a Thursday. Thursday, uh, the big presidential debate is going to be tonight. It's going to be a very interesting debate just from the theatrical side of it. First off, I mean, I don't need to hide. Um, everyone who knows me or even takes a quick perusal, anything I post, knows that I am a um, supporter of Joe Biden and not a supporter of Donald Trump. Uh, but that aside, the debate tonight, just from the theatrics alone, are going to be uh, fascinating. Uh, they will be muting the microphone, like when they have their two minutes to respond to something, when they go, sir, Mr. President, Mr. Vice President, you have two minutes to respond. The other gentleman's microphone will be muted based off the experience of uh, the most recent presidential debate where, um, just being honest, Donald J. Trump uh, constantly interrupted and tried to talk over. Um, and it became such an issue that... Uh, that the presidential debate has decided to mute them. Uh, they've turned it to a lot of other issues too. To, you know, they've uh, you know, complained about the moderator, complained about the uh, uh, the questions. I mean, but that's that's common. They do that. They'll they'll argue about size of podiums and lighting. Uh, you know why? Because oftentimes fortune hangs by a thread, ladies and gentlemen. Fortune hangs by a thread for you and I, and for most of us. The daily in and out and the things we do and say uh, do not. They affect us in the aggregate. But for these gentlemen tonight, it could be that fortune hangs by a thread and the uh, most minor of faux pas could be what shifts the balance of power one way or another. 
So when we hear these stories of people go, well, we don't like the questions. We don't like the moderator. We don't like this. We don't like that. There I could ascribe totally to um, a side that I don't agree with and go, see, they're just a bunch of jerks. But historically, historically, I have seen uh, this sort of thing in one form or another uh, throughout my life when it came to presidential debates. The first presidential debate I was aware of and I'll be honest with you, I don't know if I was actually aware of it or just because it was so then um, imprinted in my memory in, in a historical way. Uh, so it's one or the other was uh, Richard Nixon and John F. Kennedy. We were, we were, of course, a uh, Kennedy household. We were uh, lunch bucket Democrats, new to people who uh, had benefited greatly, as most Americans did, from Franklin Roosevelt's New Deal. So you're talking about in the 50s, I was born in the 50s, uh, just 20 years prior, we, the country had been in the midst of a massive depression. And you got to think about that for a minute. 20 years ago for us is the year 2000. Year 2000, from 2000 to 2020. So for my family, when I was born from 1935, the throes of the depression to the beginning of the massive wealth being generated in America, because it was in the 50s that the America that we... Um, that we exist in now began to sh uh, take shape. It began to take shape with other programs and ideas and platforms that Roosevelt put together and really came to fruition in the 50s and then has uh, um, launched uh, to even bigger heights uh, several times since then. So the first presidential debate I remember was between Richard Nixon and John F. Kennedy. John F. Kennedy looking so handsome and composed, Richard Nixon looking so angry and sweaty and nervous. Now there's a rumor that goes on around about that debate. Keep in mind that radio, flat out radio, was a very important factor in American life back then. Much more than it is now. Much more than it is now. And you didn't really have national radio. You had local radio stations, some of them owned by uh, larger media giants, but radio was really local. KXOK in St. Louis, WLS in Chicago, uh, uh, KMET in uh, Los Angeles, just to name one. All uh, KSAN in San Francisco. Radio was local. And in the 50s, it was still the province mostly of American pop standards and news. Do you know how much news was on the, on uh, the, the how long the nightly news lasted when they first started doing it on the uh, big major broadcast networks? There was a, a two men named Huntley Brinkley. All of us know Walter Cronkite. But before them, the uh, avuncular, the avuncular wise men who um, shared with us the important stories of the day were uh, Huntley Brinkley, the Huntley Brinkley News Hour, or was it News Half Hour when I was a little kid? It was only 15 minutes long. They figured that's all that people wanted or needed of news. Now we got 24/7 wall-to-wall nonstop coverage. So they were on television, but radio was important. Radio was a big factor in all of our lives. If you were born, if you were alive in the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s. So that debate was carried on countless radio stations throughout America as well. There's a rumor that it was considered anybody who listened to the debate on the radio thought Nixon won. He sounded like he had a, a deeper understanding of foreign policy and had more cogent answers. But then anyone who watched it on television certainly thought that Kennedy won. And of course, 
Kennedy did win the presidential election in 1960. And Nixon left uh, quite bitter and angry for a variety of reasons, uh, mainly because most of his life he was bitter and angry. Um, but he learned his lesson. And I think it was a guy named Pierre Salinger, who was an important uh, pundit in uh, American political life back in those days, who wrote a book. And I could be wrong, guys. Someone could check this out. It was Pierre Salinger. I called, called The Making of a President, talking about the 1968 presidential campaign and how in that campaign, Richard Nixon finally figured out how to use television to his advantage. The question remains, if someone learns how to use television to their advantage and they win, did they win merely because of their presentation or because they were effectively able to get their ideas across to the American people in a way that made them decide for them? That's an interesting question. The, um, the concerning media right now is not necessarily going to be Fox News or MSNBC or CNN or even RT, Russian Times, which is, I can watch that. It's on or China News or Bloomberg or any of that or radio or Sirius Satellite Radio. There's a large, large segment of our population that is having their minds shaped by YouTube. There's a large section of our population that is having their minds shaped by YouTube videos. Um, this is a YouTube video, but it's not shaping anybody's mind. But I am putting out a call to anyone watching or listening to me. And it may be, you know, it, it may be spitting in the ocean. It may be a poodle barking at a freight train. I don't know. But pay attention to what your kids, and not just your little kids. We always pay attention to what our kids are looking at to make sure that uh, no weirdo is following them or no pornographic content is seeping into... Uh, into their feed in any sort of way. But what we're not noticing is the countless YouTubes being made by special interest organizations and groups that want to shape public opinion and are really adhering to what at one time was considered the old Catholic Church mantra that uh, give us the first six years and we'll have them for life. Because uh, by the time you're six years old, you're already going to uh, confession and communion you know, and you've already been ground deep in the catechism and you will never quite move away from it. Kevin Brown says YouTube is the new radio. Well, here's the thing, though. That's a good thing to say. So I love freedom of the press. I love freedom of expression. I love that. But until 1984, there were FCC rules, Federal Communication Commission rules that governed. Uh, there was an important component called equal time, equal time. And opinion had to be matched with an opposing opinion. So, as recently as, a long time ago for some of you, but as recently as um, the first time that Jimmy Carter ran against Ronald Reagan, Jimmy Carter won against Gerald Ford in 1976, lost to Ronald Reagan in 1980, uh, and full disclosure, I did not vote for either men in either election. I voted third party. I was young and third people. Those guys are just, yeah, yeah, not voting for them. Um, and I can make a pretty good argument for it, too, back in those days. Uh, I would prefer Carter in both elections. Um, and by the way, in 1980, my vote didn't matter because by the time I got to the polls in California, the race had been called for Nixon. But uh, as recently as 1980, they could not air movies, old Warner Brother movies, 
that starred Ronald Reagan, where it was they died with their boots on with uh, Errol Flynn. I believe he was in that one. Uh, or one Errol Flynn movie where one of them played Jeb Stewart and the other one played Custer or some such. Uh, uh, they couldn't air that one. They couldn't air King's Row. They couldn't air The Killers. These are all Ronald Reagan movies. That's right. I know the name of Ronald Reagan movies. They couldn't air episodes of Death Valley Days where he was the host. Because if they did, they would have to give Jimmy Carter the equal amount of time. So if they showed a 90-minute Ronald Reagan movie, they had to give Jimmy Carter 90 minutes on the air. That was under the equal time rule. Now, the equal time rule was removed in the early 80s during the Reagan administration. And that gave rise to what became the first form of populist opinion, modern populist opinion uh, communication, which was the right-wing talk show host, the Rush Limbaugh's of the world, Michael Savage's of the world. Now, they have uh, greatly reduced, greatly reduced in their influence and power. But maybe even more insidious is the modern YouTube video. The modern YouTube video. Things that are designed to capture the minds. Of, I'm not saying they're bad. I'm not saying that I agree or disagree with uh, heh, Kevin Brown said, yeah, 1984. That's when the equal time rule moves. Equal time rule was removed. And uh, Kevin Brown says, yeah, 1984. Where have I heard that year before? Ronald Reagan? No, it's George Orwell. So a constant, we know that there's a constant stream of real good information that goes out to the general public. And we know that there's also a steady barrage of misinformation that goes out to the general public. And it's being able to decide between the two. We have to be smarter. We have to be better. We have to be more pragmatic in our... Uh, in our uh, political decision-making from here forward. We just have to be. It can't be tribal. It can't be Democrat, Republican. It can't be red, blue. It can't be, I like this guy's voice. At one time, this uh, country was very corrupt, 1920s, going to the 1930s. And there was a wave of reformers that came in and got rid of corruption in America. And corruption is probably the most destructive, corrosive, element in any society there's always a little corruption there's always you know going up to the maitre d and going is my name on the list they go not and put a whole 20 dollar bill there and i go i think i'm right there and go yes sir you are there's that there's that there's there's petty larceny but when the corruption goes up to the highest offices when the corruption becomes pandemic throughout a police force or a military institution or an entire class of politicians do you know why you uh, vote directly for senators because in the late 1800s, most state legislatures were so bought and paid for and so corrupt, or many were, many were, not all, that in order to not have complete, complete shills for special interests sent to Washington, D.C., we went to direct elections. There's a constant fight in this country against corruption. There's a constant fight that no matter what our history is, no matter how questionable our history is, no matter how much we sometimes paint over our history, that we're always working towards doing the right thing. I'm always reminded of the great Winston Churchill quote, which was, you can always count on the United States to do the right thing after they've tried everything else. And I'm hoping that's what's going to take place in uh, this particular election. You know what? Every, I, every once in a while, I just go this way, guys. I'm sorry. You know, I try to stay silly and goofy and funny on this show and be your daily distraction. But every once in a while, one sentence leads to another. 
and I lay out something like I just laid out right there. We'll see, uh, we'll see what the presidential debate tonight um, does for us. I will not be able to watch it live. I will be in what is probably my final uh, homeowners meeting as a board of directors. I'm not going to say here on a public forum that a steady stream of lies and deceit and disinformation and misplaced anger has been foisted towards me and other current members of this board. I'll tell anybody there watching right now, and some of you have been to my home, that I live in one of the most beautiful communities in the world. You know, if I was 20, this would not be the place for me. If I was 20 and single, I wouldn't be living in Maricopa Meadows. This is a place for when you want to settle down. This is a place where you want your shoulders to drop instead of going up, going, what's going on? I lived everywhere from a river cabin in Missouri to hotels in Times Square to an apartment on Hollywood Boulevard. And this is my all-time favorite. That's why I'm on this board. And that's why I fight so hard for this volunteer uh, position. But so much disinformation and so much anger and so much vitriol over having green grass and nice plants and a disc golf for people to play. So much anger that I'm kind of sure is kind of misplaced. That it's almost like some sort of shift. I can't be angry at this, so I'll be angry at that. Has taken place that I may not remain on the board. And I also have been in the forefront of taking the bullet on social media of conversing with people about these issues uh, because someone had to. I stood up at a uh, candidate forum recently and said, look, if you don't vote for me, fine, but please vote for these other three people. They are so valuable to you and your community. And if you lose them, you're going to have problems. Um, I, I'm kind of a, a I'm not going to say victim. I'm kind of someone who is experiencing uh, this sort of thing right now. So I hope the country can pull out of it, and I hope my community can pull out of it as well. You know, uh, and whenever I get down, whenever I get sad, whenever I get blue, I, um, I tell a few jokes and I uh, listen to uh, some records. And you know a great place to hear and listen to jokes? I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you right now. It's at JP's Comedy Club. JP's Comedy Club in Gilbert, Arizona. If you're in the greater Gilbert area, and that includes Chandler, Ahwatukee, Mesa, Apache Junction, parts of uh, uh, some of the uh, tribal nations, most of uh, uh, Phoenix metropolitan area, Scottsdale. Matter of fact, the greater Phoenix area is now the greater Gilbert area. Uh, if you like good comedy and if you love development comedy, if you like to be present at the creation, if you like to see new people striving and thriving because they've got a place to uh, strive and thrive in, go down and check out some of the shows at JP's Comedy Club, jpscomedyclub.com, 860 East Warner Road. Uh, great comic there this week, I believe, Mike Dapper. Mike Dapper. So go down and check it out. And if you do, go down there and tell uh, my good buddy Jim, uh, who I'm partnered with in the uh, organization, say, hey, uh, Tony sent us. You'll have a good time. For those of you that can't make it there, uh, I pretty much can guarantee right now. Matter of fact, I'm going to guarantee it right now. November 15th at 5 p.m. Arizona time, Mountain Standard Time, I'll be putting on a class clown show, live class clown show. This is the show that has seen people go all the way from their first show to national television. And I'm going to create it not only as a live in-person event, but a Zoom event. And you'll be able to witness it. And uh, 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 be able to see the interior of this great club. And here are some very funny people. Some going on stage for the first time. Some veterans. All coming up for you November 15th. Let's get to the music, shall we? And now I can't find my music. I can't find what I was going to talk about. So, um, where did I put it? 
<laughs> Here's the band we're going to talk about today, Deep Purple. We're talking about Deep Purple. This is the shades of Deep Purple. This is late 60s Deep Purple. This is a little different sound than most people hear when they think of Deep Purple. Deep Purple was a British, at the time, prog rock band, progressive rock band, in the same mold of the same genre as Procol Harum and Pink Floyd and King Crimson, etc. And this was shades of Deep Purple. Deep Purple uh, consisted of Rod Evans, John Lord, Nick Simper, Richie Blackmore, and Ian Pace. Those were the members of Deep Purple. Richie Blackmore later on had his own band, uh, Richie Blackmore's Rainbow. Um, great lead guitarist. This album contains these songs and the address. Hush, One More Rainy Day, Prelude to Happiness, I'm So Glad, Side 2, Mandrake Root, Help, Love Help Me, and Hey Joe. Now, some of these songs were written by them. And the address was by Blackmore and Lord. Um, One More Rainy Day by Lord Nevins. Mandrake Root by Blackmore, Evans, and Lord. Love Help Me by Blackmore and Evans. But there were, they did other people's songs as well on this album. This may have been their first album. They did um, Hey Joe, which uh, my generation mostly knows from uh, uh, Jimi Hendrix's version. Hey Joe, where are you going with that gun in your hand? -da 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 -da. But a, um, a public domain blues song that many, um, many of these uh, famous rockers uh, began to really um, hone their skills with those songs, Chuck Berry songs and songs like that. Help, they did a uh, fantastic version of the Lennon-McCartney song, Help. <coughs> I'm So Glad, Skip James, which most of us know from Cream's hit, I'm so glad, I'm so glad. And they did Hush. Now, Hush, most of us know from Neil Diamond. Hush was written by a guy named Joe South. Joe South was a record producer. Joe South was a uh, songwriter. Joe, Joe South had his own hit, his own hit at one period of time, and I'm just trying to look up something here for you, with uh, a song called uh, uh, Games People Play. Joe South, good old Southern boy, Memphis boy, I believe, record producer, is the guy who wrote Hush, Hush, Hush. Thought I heard call of my name. So you can hear uh, a lot of different people do that song. But the thing with Deep Purple on this particular album, they took a song by a southern boogie guy, a songwriter from America, and turned it into a jazz prog rock song of just incredible heights. Just incredible heights. Here's some other stuff. We're trying to look for other stuff that he... Uh, that he uh, wrote. Uh, here's the singles. Um, he wrote the Purple People Eater. When I saw the thing coming out of the sky, it had one big horn and one big eye. <laughs> he wrote that. Games People Play was his big hit. Uh, Don't You Make You Want to Go Home was a hit of his. Walk a Mile in My Shoes was a hit of his. Uh, I almost feel like I should be recommending him today. I'm looking, there was a couple other hits of his that uh, people did that um, uh, he was a prominent sideman. He uh, played on Tommy Rose's uh, Sheila on Bob Dylan's Blonde on Blonde album. Okay, uh, played guitar with Aretha Franklin on Chain of Fools. Um, 
Billy Joe Royal did one of his biggest hits, Down in the Boondocks. Very cool song. All right. Uh, Hush, of course. Uh, and then one of the biggest songs of the 60s, sung by a great female artist, I never, uh, Linda Anderson, I Never Promised You a Rose Garden. All written by Joe South. All of them pretty much done in a style that Joe South would have done. Southern gospel, rock, rhythm, and blues. Deep Purple takes this Joe South song and turns it to a jazz prog rock thing uh, with a great organ lick on it where the guy's almost playing bongos on the organ, on an organ, creating this incredible rhythm melody uh, combination that uh, will stay with you forever. So if you only know Deep Purple from, you know, Smoke on the Water and uh, Space Trucking in that era, then you, need, you owe it to yourself to listen to Hush, okay? And then dig it a little deeper. And then you owe, it, you owe it to yourself to listen to some Joe South, too, okay? There is so much that we can discover that is already just right around us, right at our fingertips. So much that we can feel, touch, taste, and enjoy. There's no reason to ever be bored. There's no reason to ever be frustrated with uh, uh, loneliness, because you can open up your mind by listening to mutant, uh, old music that's new again, or music that's new to you, and just, and just discover some incredible, incredible stuff. All right, you know what, that's all for today. I went on one of my little political rants. Uh, I would apologize, but uh, no defeat, no surrender, my friends. Uh, told you about JP's Comedy Club, uh, owned by a man who puts salt on his pizza, okay, who's partnered with a man who won't and never will. And we talked about one of my favorite... Uh, albums, uh, Shades of Deep Purple by Deep Purple. That's it. We're done for the day. We'll be back tomorrow at 2 p.m. Mountain Standard Time with more stuff. And there's Sullivan. Say goodbye. Say bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> Hit it again. All right. Good job. Uh. Bum 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 ba doo bum bum bum